You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So this week we are starting, we're continuing in week two of our vision series. And if you missed last week, really encourage you to go listen to it online or on the podcast. And, and last week's message was very inspirational. We were talking about um, where, why we exist as a church. Why do we need more churches? Maybe, um, you know, the question comes up, we're, we're a new church. We're actually six months old as a church. And so the question is, do, do we need more churches? And so we address that question. If you missed it, encourage you to go take a listen. And so just to give you a recap real quick. We talked about why we exist as a church, and we talked about our name, because that comes up all the time. What's the deal with the name? What's, what's, what's a tree-line church? So we have a few pictures to show you of what a tree-line is in nature. So you can see a tree-line is where trees physically stop growing somewhere in nature because the environment is no longer conducive to support any kind of life. So there'll be a physical tree-line where trees just can't grow beyond that certain point. We've got another picture. You can see it here on the mountainside where the mountains, the trees were just too tired. They couldn't hike up anymore, and so they said, we're done. There's the tree line, and so trees just can't grow past that point. And at the Arctic Circle, there's also a tree line because it's just too cold, and no one wants to be there anyway, and so the trees are like, we're out of there, and so they stop growing. And so for us, it developed a word picture as a church that we wanted to be a church on the edge of the tree line, reaching out to people who have yet to receive life in Christ. So instead of being huddled safely in the middle of the forest together, we want to be on the edge, reaching out to people, recognizing that our communities, our schools, our workplaces are full of people who have yet to encounter the love of God, who have yet to encounter and have a relationship with him. So that's where we want to be. We want to be on the edge of the tree line. And tree line also came to mean family trees for us because we have a strong emphasis, strong vision for the next generation, for our kids' ministry. Matter of fact, it's already happening. It's amazing to see what the people who are doing who are serving in our kids' ministry. Matter of fact, if you wouldn't mind saying thank you to them, they are doing amazing things with our kids. We have kids that are excited to be here, that they want to be here. And so we're just so excited for that. So our vision, our mission as a church is this. We want to be a church that is positioned on the edge of the tree line so that we can reach out to people who are far from God, but we want to help family trees be changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. That's what it's all about for us. We want to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with him. So how do we get there? Last week, we talked about some of the inspiration for that vision. This week, we're going to do a little more nuts and bolts. This one's going to be a little more practical. We're going to actually put some wheels on the vision. So we're going to talk about our vision, what we want to do as a church, and then we're going to talk about the things that we will do as a church to get there. So we're going to walk through these things, and so we're going to start in Ephesians one, and Ephesians was a book written to the church at Ephesus. That's why it's like Ephesians. And so Paul had started a church there. He's writing them a letter to encourage them. And this is a prayer that he had for them. And so they were in Ephesus, so they were Ephesians, kind of like if you know he started a church in Pittsburgh, it had been the book of Yinzer, right? Yinzer chapter, that'd be actually kind of fun. What would, I was trying to think like, what would the verse be? Probably something about pierogies and definitely black and gold. I don't know. It'd be really interesting to see what Paul letter would say to the Yinzers. But anyway, this is Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. And this is his prayer, which is really cool because we actually get to see the words of the prayer that he actually prayed for them. And it says this, I keep asking that the God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And so we're going to take a few moments and we're going to kind of unpack this and really find our purpose and our mission in this verse. And so I want to read the message translation, which is the same exact verse, just a different translation. It's a paraphrase, just so we can have some different words for this. It says, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. And so we're just going to take a few moments this morning, and we're going to unpack this verse, and we're going to find four different things in our spiritual journey, four different things that our vision is centered around, and what that looks like practically for us as a church. And so the very first one is that, number one is, we want people to know God. We want people to know God. You see here in Ephesians, it says, I pray that you may know him better. And this idea of know is not just kind of like, I know of him, like in a way you can know know a celebrity because you know what they look like, or you know an athlete because we can rattle off the stats. No, this know that they're talking about is a personal know, that we want to know them in a personal way. So we want to know God in a personal way. So we recognize that there are people who are far from God, right? We talked about this. And so this is our first purpose. We want to help people know God in a personal way. So how do we do that? What does that practically look like for us as a church? Well, for us, this is our Sunday services. We want to build Sunday services in order to help people know God in a personal way. So the things that we do, the things that we do as a church intentionally, that we're not just doing it, you know, kind of haphazardly, but we want to be intentional about helping people know God doing that for our Sunday services. The interesting thing is, is that this can create some tension. Because a lot of time people think that church is just all about us, right? It's just about me and and my needs and and getting my needs met. But that's not necessarily the case. And for us, we want to be very intentional that, matter of fact, we don't exist just for the people who are in Treeline, but we'd like to say it this way. We exist for the people who aren't here yet. We exist for the people that aren't here yet. So we want to make sure that we're being intentional and reaching out to people, that we're creating services that people want to come to. And see, the interesting thing is, and this is something that we've got to get as a church with our vision, is that once we come to a relationship with Jesus, once we say yes to following after Christ, now the mission is that we are now in turn to go out and find people who are far from God. Now it is our mission to go out into the fields and see our friends, our family, coworkers, whoever it is, people in our lives. Now it's our mission to help other people find God. See, because we're all God's children, right? And God has lost kids and he has found kids. And see, we think sometimes it's just about being the found kid and just coming to church, but really the heart of the father is truly for his lost kids. I don't know if you've ever lost something of value before, but when you lose something that's valuable, it's really hard to focus on anything else, right? I mean, when you lose something valuable, you you don't really think about everything else. Matter of fact, you're consumed with the lost thing. It's kind of like being distracted by that which is lost. Like, for instance, if you lose your keys, you're not like, man, tearing the 
house apart, losing your keys, or like, oh, I have a couch. You know, at least I got the couch here. You're not, you're not thinking about that, right? You're not thinking about all the other stuff that you have. And if you have kids, they help you out with this all the time, right? Because they lose everything. And of course, it's like a panic attack because they need to be on the bus right now or whatever. They can't find the thing. And you just, you, nothing else matters in the world at that moment, right? We don't even know if your kid has showered. Have they ate? I don't know. The thing is lost. So we just got to find the thing. The thing is gone. You know, nothing else matters in that moment. You're just totally consumed and co totally distracted by the thing that is lost. And I truly believe that this is the heart of our heavenly father, that he is consumed, that he's distracted by the things that are lost. I don't know if you, if you have kids or, or grandkids or even just been around kids. If you've ever lost your kid before, it's a terrifying thing. Um, years ago, um, when Braylon, our oldest daughter, she's 10 now, but she was really young. Um, she was probably around three years old. We were on vacation. We were in Tennessee and um, in, the, in the Smoky Mountains, and we were waiting for some family to get there. And so we stopped at this little Mexican restaurant. We were just going to grab some lunch. And so we're sitting there eating, and then all of a sudden, uh, in a moment of panic, we noticed that Braylon was gone. She was missing. And I don't know if you've ever had that moment before, but I remember Christy and I just like lock eyes in that panic of like, she's not with you. She's not with you. I don't know if you've ever had that moment before of like, oh. Uh, where is she? So we couldn't find her. And so we jumped up and we're panicking. It's not that big of a restaurant and we're, we're freaking out. We can't find her. We're looking everywhere. And the, the place was right on the main road, right on the main drag. And it was a small parking lot. So busy road right out in front. So I'm, I'm running out the front door. We're like, I don't even know how she could have got out there. You know, where is she? And then your mind just starts playing all those games. Like, did someone take her? You're just flipping out all in just like this really short moment of losing something. And it was just totally distracted and consumed at that. And in that moment, moment. It wasn't like I was like, oh man, this burrito is delicious. I can't wait to eat this. None of that mattered, right? It wasn't matter. It could have been the best food in the world. I'm like, you know, let's eat this first and then we'll go find her. No, no, right? I mean, I'd be a terrible parent if I did that. Maybe if it was Chipotle or something, but I, it wasn't. It was just something else. And so in that moment, nothing else mattered. And then all of a sudden, Braylon comes out from behind the corner and behind this booth. We don't even know how she got back there. She was like the ninja of hide and seek when she was little. And that's what she was doing. She was just hiding from us. And so we're just all in sheer panic. And there she is. You get her right and you just hug her and you squeeze her. And you're like, oh man, you're just so thankful that she's not lost, right? But in that moment, nothing else mattered. And this is the heart of our heavenly father. That in that moment, nothing else matters to him. Matter of fact, the loss being found is a really big deal. See, it's not just about us coming together and worshiping on Sunday. See, God likes that, but he is distracted by that which is lost. It's about the lost. Matter of fact, in Luke 15, in one chapter, he tells a story of three things being lost, the lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And in the moment, you know what, these, you know what that all came down to? That he was willing to leave whatever it was that was found to go find the lost thing. And that's the heart of our Heavenly Father. And that's what we want to do as a church. And that's why we want to create Sunday services that help people who are far from God to know Him. And even help us as Christ followers, maybe us who have said yes to Him, we want to be able to know Him better or know Him in a personal way. So we want four things for our Sunday services. We want our Sunday services to be a celebration. We want them to be a celebration. See, I think growing up, maybe I thought church was something that was supposed to be endured, right? 
right? It's like you got God points. If you endured church, maybe you felt that way before going to church. Well, we don't want it to be that way. Like David was like, I am glad to be in the house of the Lord. So we don't want it to be a dull moment. We don't want people to endure church or dread coming. We want people to be excited about coming. That's why we have delicious pepperoni rolls down there. And we have coffee and we have cookies every week and we have music and we want to have fun. That's why I sometimes get crazy when I give these messages because we want it to be a celebration. We want people to enjoy being here. We want it to be the best part of your week. So we want it to be a celebration. We want it to be an inspiration. I heard someone say it once this way. We're not just a glorified Amway meeting, but we've got the power of God here. We want people to be inspired by the power of God. We want people's lives to be changed when they encounter God. That's why we pray every week, sometimes daily, that we would encounter him, that people would come, that their lives would be changed, that they would get to know him. And the third thing is we want to prepare people, preparation. The message that we have given over the last six months, our prayer and our hope with these is that it's something that you hear on Sunday and you can apply it on Monday, that they're preparing you to live the life that God has called us and challenges to live as Christ followers. And the fourth one is salvation. We want our Sunday services to have salvation. We talked about this last week, but every single week we're going to give the salvation call at the end of the message. Why? Because the Bible says that today is the day of salvation and we always want to give people that opportunity. If we're trying to do, create a service for people to know him, we don't want to have to people to guess, is this the week that we're going to be able to get him, bring a friend? Will we be giving the salvation call? I've been praying for this person for a while, so we're going to do it every single week where we offer people the opportunity to come to a relationship with him. So what is our part in that? How do we help out with that? What, what is our part of that vision as a church? How can you join us in that mission? Many times it's simply by putting that invitation and inviting someone to church. I like to say it this way. You do what only you can do, and I'll do what only I can do, right? I can't know all of your friends. I can't know all of your family, but you do, and you can invite them. You can share Christ with them, and then I'll, I'll do what I can do, which is to share the gospel in a way that is relevant and make a moment for them to have that opportunity to come to Christ and so that we all have a part to play in this. So we just want to take a moment here and get really practical and get really hands-on and talk about us sharing our faith. Because I know this can become incredibly intimidating. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but if I were to ask who is intimidated or think it's scary to share your faith in Christ with someone else, probably most of us would raise our hands. There are those people who are really gifted at that. It seems like they're really awesome at it. They just naturally, right, they meet someone and like 30 seconds later, they're like leading someone to Christ in a prayer. Like, how did that even happen? You just met them. But for most of us, it's not that easy. It doesn't come natural. It can become incredibly intimidating. We feel like we have to be able to answer all the questions. I don't know enough of the Bible, right? What if, what if they're not sure? What if they get angry at me? What if they think I'm being pushy? You know, all those things, all those questions. So I just want to take a few moments here and walk us through, be really practical on how we share Christ with others. The first one is that we've got to accept the personal responsibility, to recognize that there are people in our lives that we've got to take the responsibility to recognize there may be no one else who makes the effort to reach them, to share their story, to tell them about a God that loves them and to share our personal experience, that it's not the pastor's job, it's not my sole responsibility, it's not your small group's leader's responsibility, but that it is our responsibility to accept the personal commitment, the call to share Christ with others. The second one is to build a personal relationship. 
See, it's about building a personal relationship. I remember years ago, it's not as big of a thing now, but I remember even back in college, we would talk about drive-by evangelism. What's that? It's like basically like being out in the street and like throwing a track in someone's face. I don't even know what a track was. Basically, it was a little piece of paper um, that had some verses on it, and you would just basically try to tell people in that moment in your drive-by evangelism that, hey, you need a relationship with Jesus, which can be really hard to do. It might be a really difficult way to be effective, and we think a way that's really effective is to build a personal relationship with someone because it's going to be someone that you know, someone that you care about, and they know your story, and they see that you're a real person, not some superhero, but that you have struggles as well, have a personal relationship. And then the third one, I love this, is share your personal story. This takes so much of the stress off of it. This isn't about having all the answers. It's not about knowing enough of the Bible or not knowing enough or being some theologian. No, it's just simply sharing your personal story. See how much easier that is? You're just sharing with someone, and you got to wait for that right opportunity, maybe even pray for that right opportunity to do that. But what does your relationship with Christ mean to you? What does having God in your life, how has that impacted your life? Why have you made a decision to surrender your life to Christ and follow after him? How has God changed you and changed your life and changed your family because of your commitment to follow after him? See, it's not about telling people, hey, you know what, you're going to go to hell. No, that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to like fire and brimstone and scare people and sell fire insurance to, you know, turn or burn. No, that's not it at all. Share your personal story. Share why you are following after him. And the final one is to give a personal invitation. And maybe this looks like for you that you are confident enough to actually lead through someone through a salvation prayer and sit down. And that's awesome if you're able to do that. But if you're not, here's the good news. As a church, you can just invite them on Sunday morning. You can invite them. If, you, if you're like, man, you got that point, you shared that story, you got that relationship, you're excited about it, just invite them to church with you on a Sunday. Maybe it'll take a few times. We don't know. But you can give that personal invitation to invite them to be here. All right, that was the first purpose, to know God, and we want to do that with our primarily with our Sunday services. Are you guys with me? I know this one's a lot of information today, but we're going to try to get through this and put wheels on this vision on how we're going to get there as a church. So the second one is we want to find freedom. So it said there in the verse, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And what, what does that mean, the eyes of our heart? I mean, we have eyes in our head, you know, that we see physical vision. Well, it's talking here about the eyes of our heart, basically our past experiences, the way life has shaped us. We see with our heart, we see the things that have shaped us, that have made us. And many times we've got to find freedom from the things of our past. Many times we come to a relationship with Jesus. We say yes to relationship with God, but we still have to deal with the baggage or the hurt or the pain or even our own mistakes or mess ups from our past. And so we as a church want to help people know God. And then we want to take it to the next step and we want to help people find freedom. We want to help people get delivered from whatever it was going on in their past that is holding them back or something that they have done they regret that, that God has forgiven you from it and God has delivered you from whatever you're going through. But now we have to take the step in helping people find freedom because the truth is a lot of people will come to relationship with Jesus and they will never find freedom from something in their life that just continues to drag them down. So we want to be intentional as a church to help people find freedom. So how do we do that? How do we do that practically as a church? Are you guys ready for this? Find freedom happens through small groups. 
through small groups. Some of you are like, oh, I'm already in a small group. Well, congratulations, you have made it to step two. We want to help people find freedom that only comes through Christ, and we want to help that have that happen in a small group setting. See, you can't look to what is next until you deal with the past. And so we want to create an environment where people can get together, have relationship, and honestly have a moment where we can just take the mask off where we can just be real with each other, that we can have relationship. And we believe this with all of our hearts, that life change happens in the context of relationships. See, small groups serve one simple purpose, and that is this, to bring people together. We just launched our small groups at the end of February, so we're just, just briefly into it. So if you've not jumped into a small group yet, I'd encourage you to do that. If you have questions about small groups, you can come see me, talk to another person. We'll be running those all throughout the year. If you missed this first round, there'll be another round you can jump into, but it's never too late. You don't have to start at the beginning. You could jump in at any time to be in a small group, but this is where we believe that we find freedom is in the small group. So small groups really provide three things. The first one is that they provide a place to connect with others. I truly believe that God designed life to be lived with others. We were never meant to do life alone, that we need relationship. I believe that God even wired that inside of us, that need to have relationship and connection with each other. So the first one is it's a place to connect with others. The second one is a place to protect each other. Now, this isn't like, you know, we show up with like pipes and break people's kneecaps, but maybe sometimes that's necessary in life. We need people who protect us. We need people who are looking out for us. We need people who have our interests at heart. And I love that this happens in small groups, that it's a setting where people can protect each other. They can look out for each other, that we can be concerned about the things that are going on in our lives. And the last one is Small groups provide a place to grow together. See, as we talked about Sunday morning is the on-ramp. It's where we want to help people know God. In small groups, we have the opportunity to grow together and maybe go a little deeper, that we can go a little deeper and that we have small groups that maybe it's a, a Bible study and we're diving more into God's word or maybe we're learning how to parent and talking about parenting in a small group or maybe a book study that we're doing or, or whatever it is, but that we can grow together that we have groups that you can help find freedom or even deal with getting over things financially, whatever it is, that there will be small groups where we'll be able to grow together. And so the second one, find freedom, and this happens in small groups. So number one, know God, Sunday services. Number two, find freedom that happens in small groups. And now we're trucking along here. Number three is to discover your purpose. It says in Ephesians, I pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you. See, they say that there are two most important days of your life, the day that you were born and the day you discover why you were born. And see, the sad thing is, is that many people go through life never truly fully discovering their purpose on why God made them. And we believe with all of our heart that God created you with certain gifts, with certain personalities, with certain skills and abilities. And the wonderful thing is, is that we all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. We all have different ways that God has shaped us, even in our personalities, even with our spiritual gifts, our natural gifts and abilities. And so we as a church want to come alongside people and help them discover this purpose. We want to help people discover this purpose. And so how do we do that? What is the vehicle for us to get there to help people discover their purpose? Now, this might be a new one for you because we haven't talked a whole lot about this as a church, but this for us will happen through something called growth track. 
Now, some of you who have been kind of astute and you've noticed on the Connect card that's here every week, there's a little checkbox that said growth track next to it. And everyone's probably like, what is that thing? What is this growth track thing on here? I don't even know, should I check this or not? Well, this for us is the vehicle that we want to use to help people discover their purpose. So what is this? Well, this is a class slash lab setting, which will happen for us. It'll happen one Saturday a month in the morning. And the great news is we'll provide lunch for you. And you have an opportunity to come and learn a little bit about yourself. So it'll be like a lab. If you're like into the personality test and spiritual gifts test, we're going to walk you through all of that. It's something that we want to encourage everyone to go through. Our very first one will be happening next month. So you're going to hear about it and they'll be having every single month from there on out. So if you can't make the first one, it'll just keep happening every single month. But this is something that we want to do to help people discover their purpose. And so what is the tree line growth track? What, what, what does that exactly look like? So here we go. The first thing the tree line growth track is, is we want to help people get on board. We simply want people to say, hey, this is my church. I'm on board with this vision. I support it. I want to get behind it. Let's do this thing together. The second one is to discover your design. Discover your design. We actually have some things that will walk you through, some practical things to help you understand the way that God shaped you and the way that God made you. The third one is to develop your leadership. And on that one, that sounds kind of scary, right? Develop my leadership. I'm not a leader. I don't know if I can lead people. Let's not, let's just maybe develop your influence. Leadership is just simply influence and the influence that we have to point people towards God, to point people towards Jesus. So we want to help you develop that. And then finally is that we want to help people join the team join the team, which is something that we have called the dream team, which we'll talk about in just a moment. So that's the tree line growth track. And so we want to help people discover their purpose. And this is something that will encourage everyone to go through. We're not going to like make you sign any kind of commitment, sign your life away or anything like that. It's just an opportunity to come and say, hey, you're in this thing. You want to discover some of your purpose and figure out how you can help us with this vision. So we want everyone to go through that. We'll be encouraging you. Matter of fact, a couple months from now, you'll probably be tired of hearing us talk about it. And so you'll finally just say, man, I'm just going to go, so they'll leave me alone. But it's something that'll be good. We'll have food. It's going to be a good environment. They'll be right here at PTC one Saturday a month, and we'll be getting all that information out there. But just really excited about helping people discover their purpose. And maybe for you, you're like, I, I know my purpose. I, I know my gifting. I know how God shaped me. I, I know where it's at. Great. Keep coming. Come anyway. Maybe you're like, I don't know. I I'm really not sure how God shaped me. I, matter of fact, I've never really thought about that before. Awesome. Come and we'll help you discover that purpose. So the last one, number four, is to make a difference. Make a difference. So here the verse wraps up. I pray that you may grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers and his holy people. So we want to help people make a difference. I don't know about you, but I want my life to count for something. Matter of fact, the emerging generations, this is a really big deal for them. They want even their work to make a difference, that what they do, they want it to make sure that it's not just something where they're punching a clock, but what they're doing is making a difference. But even beyond that, I think all of us want our life to count for something, don't we? We want our life to count for something. We want to make a difference, that when we get to the end of the game, we want to know that our life and our time here on the earth, that it made a difference, it made an impact, right? We want to know that we, we made a difference with our life, that we pointed people towards God, that people's lives are changed or better, in a better place, or people even came to relationship with him because we made a difference. 
So take a look at, for us, how that happens. How do we make a difference? What's the vehicle? What gets us there? How do we accomplish that vision? Well, that for us is the dream team. Maybe you've been here for a while and you've seen people wearing the little lanyards and it has dream team on it. And you're like, I don't even know what that means. Like, why are the people wearing a lanyard that says dream team on it? Well, this is basically the people who serve, who make Treeline happen every single week. And we call it the dream team. Why? Because that sounds a whole lot better than giving someone a badge that says volunteer. That's lame. We believe that everyone's to be a part of the dream team. Why? Because dream teamwork makes the dream work, right? And then you got like the dream team from back in the day. Remember the dream? team. Well, that, that's us, man. We're, we are the dream team, and we want to help people live out their dreams, that when people discover their purpose and how God shaped them, we want to help them live that dream, and we want to do that together. I love this verse in Ephesians 2.10. It says this, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you ever think about that, that you are God's handiwork? Many times we're like, I don't know that I have any value. The Bible actually says that you are God's handiwork, that he created you, and that God has a plan for you. And not that he just has a plan that we're his handiwork, but he prepared work for us to do. That he has given us a mission and assignment to reach people who are far from. And so we want to help people make a difference. And that happens for us with the dream team. So what's the big deal? Why do we want to be a part of that? Why do we want to be on the dream team? Why would we want to do, figure out how God shaped us and then go serve and make a difference? Why do we want to do that? And I think it simply comes down to one word, which is fulfillment. Fulfillment. See, the truth is we can never solve all of life's problems, right? And we can try but as soon as you solve one problem, what happens? Two more problems come along, right? You can never truly solve all of the problems in life. I mean, we'll try the best we can. But when you truly find the way that God shaped you, when you truly start serving and making a difference, you, I truly believe, and I've seen it over and over again, you will find fulfillment. You will find something that is bigger in life than your problems, I know this is true for me, and I know this is true for many people. See, we can't fix all of the problems. They'll keep coming up, but we can find fulfillment in something bigger when you start to serve a purpose bigger than your own problems in life. And I believe this is something that God has called all of us to do. I'm so thankful for the people who serve every single week here at Treeline that said yes to being a part of the dream team who serve in our kids' ministry. And you're like, ah, oh, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I can be up front and be in the band. There are so many different ways that we can serve. And we've got some now that you can help out with. And as we grow as a church, there'll be so many more ways that as we grow that you'll be able to jump in and serve and use the unique gifts that God has placed inside of you. And the thing that I know is true, that when people begin to serve, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. I've seen people over and over again in the last 15 years in ministry who, who felt like they were struggling in their faith or felt like they didn't know enough or that they weren't qualified to be used by God or they felt their life was too much of a mess and they thought they had to get it all together and this is not true, this is not the case at all, that we don't have to have it all together. It's simply saying, man, God, I, I'm in, I wanna discover this purpose that you've placed inside of me and then I'm gonna do something about it to make a difference because we celebrate here at Treeline like crazy the wins that happen. Because it's not about just me giving a good message or the band leading us in good music. But we've talked about this over the last six months. We have seen 19 people say yes to relationship with him. And that win is shared by every single person on the dream team. 
the people who run tech, the people who make coffee, the people who shake hands, the people who watch our kids so we can have this moment in here together and teach them about God at their level. That all of us coming together collectively as a dream team, coming and setting up all of these chairs and all of the equipment and everything else that we do every single week, that it takes every single person on the team, takes that teamwork to make that dream work. And so that's our heart for us as a church that we would take ownership of our faith and that we would begin to serve. And I've seen it over and over again that when you do, it'll change your life and it'll help you, man, to share that win, to know that someone's life was changed, that someone said yes to relationship with Christ, that a child was set on the course to becoming a lifelong follower of Jesus, all because someone said yes to being used by God. And so that's our heart for us as a church is that we want to help people know God, people who are far from him, people who have yet to experience the love of God, that we want to share our story, share our faith with them, give them that personal invitation, bring them to church with you. Be like that persistent neighbor who's always asking for the cup of sugar, right? And it's not because you want to give it to them to be nice. You just want them to leave you alone. Sometimes we've got to do that in our life with the people around us. Just keep inviting, keep asking. Keep pointing them towards Christ. We want to help people know God in our Sunday services. We want to help people find freedom in our small groups. If you're not in a small group, it's not too late. Jump in, get involved in a small group. Maybe this next semester when we start one, maybe you'll help lead a small group or host a small group at your home. But small groups are so important that we have an opportunity for people to come together and just take that mask off. I mean, I'm in a small group. I'm in a small group. It's so important for me to be there. Matter of fact, I love my small group. They, they actually already started calling me out. I'm the pastor, right? They should be intimidated. They're not. We were having conversation, and they were like, hey, what do you think about this, Brian? I'm like, ah, I kind of already shared enough about this. My group meets on Sunday afternoon. And I was like, We've already, I've already shared enough about this this morning. And they're like, oh, you think you're going to play that card on us? That's not going to work here in this group. And I love that they called me out because we need that opportunity to be able to take that mask off and find freedom. We want to help people discover their purpose. We're so excited for Growth Track to launch. Our prayer and our hope is that every single one of us can go through that Growth Track. Just take a few moments on a Saturday morning, have a good time connecting, have some delicious food. We're all about the delicious food here if you haven't figured that out yet. And then finally, we want to help people make a difference by serving on the Dream Team. And maybe you've been here for a while and maybe you've been trying to check this thing out and try to figure out if this is a place for you. We just want to encourage you to consider and pray about joining the Dream Team making that small commitment to help people who are far from God to know him and help see those family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with him. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you. <laughs> God, that you have placed so much vision inside of us as a church, and I get so excited to talk about it. God, that truly we want to be a church that is positioned on the edge of the tree line, recognizing there are so many people who are far from you. God, even people in our own lives, friends, family members, coworkers, people in our schools, on our athletic teams. God, I just pray that you would help us to be a church that lives out this vision. We thank you, God, for practical steps to be able to get people there. God, would you give us the boldness to build those personal relationships? God, give us the right opportunities and moments to share our personal story and to give that personal invitation. 
God, it is our hope and our prayer that we would come together and collectively be praying each week for this church, for these services, for people who are far from you in our communities. God, help us to truly help people to know you, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and to make a difference. God, I pray for each of us who are here today, Lord, and maybe as we were going through this, they recognize that there is something that they need to get involved in in this process. God, I just pray that you would move on each of our hearts, Lord, that we would take those steps. Maybe it's getting involved in doing growth track when we launch it next month. Maybe it's recognizing that you've placed some gifting inside of them that they can serve on the dream team. Maybe it's getting involved in a small group or even feeling that tug that, man, I'm supposed to host one of these things or I'm supposed to lead or co-lead a small group. God, whatever it is, God, help us as a church to continue to make these steps to help people who are far from you know you, God. Because, God, the heart, your heart is a father, Lord, that you are so consumed with those who are lost and far from you. God, let us be a church that does something about it laying inside our own personal preferences and desires. Thank you, Jesus. Where every head is bowed and every eyes closed, we're going to do something that we talked about, and that is to give you the opportunity to say yes to relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've heard me give this call over and over again. Maybe you've been to churches or you've been to this or you've heard this call and you just never felt like it was time or you never felt that you were worthy of it, but the truth is that none of us are worthy None of us can earn salvation. It's not about being good enough. It's not about just being a good person and having appearance of being a church person and having all your stuff together. No, it's simply saying that wherever you're at, even in the mess, even in the pain, even in the uncertainty, that you can come to a relationship with Jesus, that he gave his life for you so that he could have a relationship with you. That is how desperately in love he is with you and how desperate he wants relationship with you, that he would do anything to have connection with you. And so if that's you today, if you want to say yes to relationship with Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity to do that today. And maybe you're here and you say, at one point I said yes to relationship with him. At one point I said yes to following after him, but life just got busy. Things began to happen. I got distracted or that pain came or that uncertainty came or something that just caused you to question and doubt or maybe you just kind of fell away. You never really meant it to, but you just began to drift away from that relationship. Whatever reason, there's no guilt, there's no shame, but God is always waiting with arms wide open to say, welcome home, my son, welcome home, my daughter. If that's you today in either one of those categories, while no one's looking around. We're just going to ask you to do something. We're just going to ask you to slip your hand up if you'd like to say yes to a relationship with him while no one's looking around. Slip your hand up. Okay, awesome. Awesome. We're going to pray out loud together so that no one prays alone. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Make me new. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Can we celebrate and clap for those who made a decision to come to Christ today? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.